Good morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program with African Sisters Media Network. And um, gosh, we are on the eve of what Frederick Douglass called um, a day that is um, a dilemma for people of African descent. Uh, And he asked that question, what to the American slave is the 4th of July? Mm, Gosh, over... Over a hundred and I don't know, quite a few, uh, over a century ago, and um, and the question remains one that we are still contemplating. I am going to um, play a little bit of a uh, interview that we had with Brian Keith Thomas um, about heirlooms that was an exhibit at the Joyce Gordon Gallery. Um, hmm. Maybe, maybe, uh, see, it was last year. Really, really beautiful. And we're not going to be able to finish it all, but we will, um, we'll play a little bit, uh, of this interview, um, before our, our next guest join us in the studio. This call is now being recorded. Oh, super. It's working awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy that Jay for the 50th schedule, but I really wanted to have you live and in person on the show. So you have five exhibits currently up. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because you know I've taken the last probably two and a half years and just shut down the studio and painted and painted and printed and worked on artwork because I wanted to stay focused on uh, for me what the truth of what's of and the core of uh, what the artwork was about. You know. Uh, kind of about a sense of time travel and remembrance and and keeping a sincere thought, you know, because sometimes it can easily become a factory. Uh, you know, there had been a couple of shows at the uh, in Chicago, and they and they sold out within the first hour. And, and then what it was is they wanted me to produce the same work over and over again. And I love those uh, really ethereal, smoky paintings. You know, they talked about memory and the, and the Holy Ghost and groups of people, and I still do those, but uh, I didn't like the idea of them telling me I need seven paintings, you know, uh, by, you know, each month, uh, because I like to work on di- different things. Whatever my heart tells me to work on, that's what I want to work on. Uh, so I just stopped, and I created work that felt right for me, and, um, you know, and that what kind of came about with the Heirloom Show. Uh, right. I'll go from that. Just yeah, heirloom is, is simply magnificent. It's like you said, of the five shows, heirloom is the sole, only solo uh, solo um, uh, exhibit, and the other is the Art of Living Black, and the, the exhibit has Prescott Joseph, and where are the other two at? The Legacy uh, Exhibition with a Unity and uh oh, and right, uh, right. Miller no. Lewis uh you know in conjunction with the with their book and right. um at the uh Prescott Center mm-hmm. yes yeah. yeah yeah so um i was just reading sort of refreshing my memory on 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 your, your uh, sort of where where you come from and i didn't remember that you were from Tennessee yeah. and uh, so is Tennessee the south <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's you know what we call down south. 
is, uh, you know, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi. That's where that, you know, the root is really deep because you think about the line of that Mississippi River and how, you know, yeah. slaves were, up, were coming up that Mississippi River. So you'll find that, you know, people in Tennessee are very connected to people in Africa because you'll notice we look so much alike still. Uh, the cadence of our voice is very similar. Uh, it hasn't been that long since that, you know, since that river journey, ocean journey, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, because you talk about how when you travel, like when you travel in the diaspora and in Africa, um, uh, people, they claim you because, you know, you don't look that, you don't look like it's been 6,500 years since, you know, <laughs> since your people have been there because, um, you know, we don't see evidence of, of you know, uh, of race and those kind of things in your in your um in your face or in your persona, like, you know, we can see in other people, you know, that are lighter complexion or, you know, have other traits of other ancestry. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about heirloom and how that might perhaps draws from your your legacy as a Southern-born man and, um, you know, in, in your work, because you're always calling the ancestors in your work, and this is just you know, a larger continuation of, of some similar themes that have run through your work. Because I've known you um, and, uh, uh, since you've been here in the Bay Area, you know, presenting right. and doing your work. One of the greatest things that the Bay Area gave me is when I came to the Bay Area, the African community automatically knew I was theirs. And without even asking me, they assumed that I was from Africa. And I had been known to some of these people for five, seven, eight years, and they had just realized that, oh, my goodness, you're, you're not from Ghana, you're not from Kenya, you're not from, they assumed. Because they, and I thought that was so beautiful because for the first time in my life, they looked at me and without judgment, they automatically said, oh, you're obviously ours, you know. So there's a spirit about the Bay Area and about the uh, Africans here that when they see their own, they claimed it so beautifully. They made assumptions, but they knew that the tie was still there. And growing up in the South, um, one of the main questions I'd always gotten from uh, uh, my community in the South was, where are you from? It's like, I'm from Tennessee. There's no but Where were you born? I said, Tennessee. Now, I get the same questions when I went to Georgia. Where are you from? I said, Tennessee. No, but where, where were you born? I said, Tennessee. So there's always been some some link that was not connected. Uh, but when I came to California, you know, they remind me that, that the African connection is still very much in the bones. And what I recognize, and I also try to bring forth in the paintings, that it's it's a spirit thing. It's the way someone stands. It's the way they look at you when they when they know that you're theirs. You know, you, you when you recognize your beloveds and you have the courage to call them by name, that it's a whole physical transformation that occurs. You know, and then when I'm working on a painting, I remember that sense of stillness and sense of meditation when someone just gives you a soul nod when they know, ah, my people. You know, it's really a calming, a calming feeling in the connection from the South with elders. Uh, there's something so spectacular when you're in the midst of someone that's seen many, many sunsets because they don't waste their words. 
they look at you. They have a conversation with uh, with you. They are very sincere because they they have a sense of knowing because they've lived long enough for something on their body to start to leave them. And I recognize that, too, is even a very unusual blessing, you know, because we want to live forever. We want to be all young. But there's something that happens when your knee goes out, when your hip goes out, when your back doesn't do what it used to do. It's getting you ready for what we might call a prayer. You talk about every niche about, well, it's, it's a pleasure to live long enough for something to make you slow down and sit down and have a, and have a conversation because you recognize time ha- is occurring. Uh, and it's okay, uh, and, it's, and it's, pre- it's preparing you for whatever that next phase is. So in the paintings, what is one of my – I really love to have the elder, you know, sitting in a chair in some of the uh, uh, paintings because that's a very sacred space when you've made it to that position one more time, and you can sit right there. You earn the right to rest. You earn the right to, you know, sit on your throne in this life. Yeah, and, and, you know, with heirlooms, you know, you have so many uh, elders that are pictured in these really wonderful, um, you know, moments uh, in the studio. Um, you know, you've got this beautiful couple, you know, these elders that love each other. I mean, how many times do you see a picture, a painting of people that are, like, really up there in age, and, and you can see the love in, in, in their eyes and you know, they were formerly enslaved, which means they've suffered a lot, yet yes. they still have love in their hearts for one another. Would you talk a little bit about sort of who has showed up for you in this exhibition and, and how they mm-hmm. came to you? Particularly, let's start with this couple, and then we can yep. talk about, um, you know, Mama Tubman, who is like, you know, you and her hang out a lot. You've got a lot of Tubman. <laughs> I know, you know, and she's still speaking to me. The couple you're speaking of, they're known as Mr. and Mrs. Landlord of Savannah, Georgia. They both lived uh, through slavery, and uh, they're they're both centurions. Uh, one thing I think is so magical is I want to celebrate their their the love between them, uh, because oftentimes when you you know think about people that went through uh, uh, slavery. We, you know, you think about all oh, their chocolate cotton, they must have been so hard, but there's something had to happen for you to choose to stay in your body. There's some, some love energy had to be residing in that. And when I look at that couple, it just rem- rem- reminds me that they made it through and they could bear witness that the love they have for each other carried them through. Because when you were going through slavery, you realize that at any time, my beloved could be taken away from you. My child, my mother, the whole family. So the family construct had to be in this moment with 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 together, and we're going to hold that moment sacred. So in this, and then in that piece, I wanted to celebrate their love. So the name of the piece is "I Love You Always." So on that piece is I adorn uh, the heirloom bags like little pockets that hang from the painting. Inside those, I have things that a loved one may have given another loved one. For example, I have. Uh, shiny rocks. I have um, uh, pieces of, of little of ebony that's been carved into flowers that are carved into uh, rings. Um, things that uh, there's a also a um, a necklace, a rosary. Uh, what I did is when I was kind of researching the aspect of what was found around some of the slave cabins. This, these are things that they found. They found buttons. They found little bottles. They found all these uh, little little stones, and you could imagine 
if you love someone, what would you give them? You would give them what you had in a very sincere manner. So I imagine that they probably, Mr. Landlord may have given Miss Landlord a beautiful button and and she may have sewn it on the hem of her garment. He may have, you know, whittled her a, a ring or something and she put it on her person because when you look deeply at even images of people that they labeled as slaves, you will notice that they have jewelry on. It's like, who would have thought people went through, went through slavery had jewelry? But if you look closely, you'll see necklaces. You'll see ear adornments. You'll see things hanging off their clothing. Uh, so there's more to the story than, you know, chopping uh, uh, cotton and shackles. So that's a very much a, definitely a part of it. But there's a, a legacy and a love story about, you know, um, such a community that uh, I wanted to share through uh, through that piece. And just like with the landlords, there's the Harriet Tubman piece. And on my research about her, I came across a few, a couple of articles that talked about how certain men found her so attractive. <laughs> they mentioned those like Harriet's beautiful African features. They talked about how she moved across the room. And I said, wait a minute, this is Harriet Tubman? You know, because we used to see this image of this, you know, older uh, woman. And of course, it's only you know, maybe, you know, three or four pictures I've ever seen of her, but the idea that someone would not only find her beautiful, but but put it in writing about how beautiful they found her, that reminds you of the kind of power she had. Harriet Tubman kind of reminds me of a Serena Williams kind of energy. You know, she owns, she's an athlete, and she's a powerful, beautiful woman. And when she moved across space, she had a sense of of, of grace and a sense of of um, of theatrics because there are many times when she had to become someone else in order to survive. And if you think about what does it take if your your master is looking at you and you walking toward him, you must really believe that you have really encapsulated the idea of. You're a free woman, and you're and you're moving through space, and you're not, you know, involved in any way with aspects of slavery. That takes a certain constitution of mind, body, and soul. And Harriet had that kind of soul. So even as the paintings I'm working on of her now, I'm making working on some younger paintings of Harriet that celebrate her sense of womanhood, her sense of beauty, and her sense of power. Uh, and even when I work with her as an old woman, I want her to be to exude a sense of of respect, but also a sense of intimacy in her eyes that sometimes we don't see when we think about, you know, our superheroes. Uh, we often, you know, forget the human side of them. So with my paintings of Harriet, uh, I think about her in ways above the, the, the title we've given her. I think about people that knew her and their testimonies about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just thinking when you were talking about uh, General Tubman, about how you were giving her an internal life, uh, letting her have desires and, and wants and needs, and perhaps some of them were unfulfilled. And then I was also thinking about how she knew some of her ancestry, uh, I believe, like where her people came from, you know, that ended up, uh, uh, you know, enslaved here, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so the whole idea of of heirlooms, you know, is also, you know, mentioned looking at, you know, the beauty and the love and I hadn't I hadn't thought about 
people who were enslaved were in jewelry. So it's like, wow, you're enslaved, but you still want to be beautiful. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes, and what and you went and where do you go to find beauty? You go to nature. Uh, if you if you, if you want to find out people that really live a green life, then you go to people that don't have a lot of material stuff. They know how to look at nature and 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 take something that was provided for nature and adorn themselves with it. It may be a, a flower necklace, you know, so uh, or like a lay type necklace. They would put that on, you know, when they were getting ready to go to you know to uh, go somewhere. So there's always nature, and the nature came from a natural source. It and often. You know, what you want to also think about is people have, were always losing things. If, if you're working in the house, if you're working outside, you find things. So can you imagine even in some of the slave cabins, in their stashes, what they must have found, <laughs> what they must have sold into their garment? Because people were always losing things. If, there's a, if there was a fire, there's things left behind. Who do you think cleaned up the relics? You, when it's, it's common for you to find things and you just, put them in your pocket. You saw them in the hem of your garment. They become your own personal heirlooms, and they have a story. Uh, yeah, something to kind of think about. Definitely, definitely. And people who know your work, uh, you have this sort of iconic kind of imagery. You know, I mean, you got these beautiful paintings. Some of them are so large. The person is just like their lives. They're just so big. I mean, they're lifelike. And you can step right into the imagery. And some of these folks are ancestors, but they aren't all ancestors. You have, you know, one of one of your models was was uh, there at opening night, yes. uh, and uh, and 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 you he looks like an angel. I mean, you have him like across three three uh, paintings. Um, you depict this young man. It is really powerfully, and it's just really wonderful because you think about young black men and how they're depicted today in society, and it's not uplifting, and it's not beautiful, yet you have this young man, and he is just so beautiful, and then you can actually see him in the flesh, like, oh, wow, you really did him justice. Let me talk about, about that. I think it's a, a, a triptych, and, uh, and then right. I want you to also talk about some of your, you know, like if, if, it's, a, if it's a Brian Key Thomas um, exhibit, you got to have some cotton. We gotta have some roses. We right. have to have some fans. You know, right. we, you know, of course, it's like all these found pieces, like frames and the backs of piano right. chairs and and all these other antique things. It's like, oh my goodness, it's just so rich. Right. The um, the image, the gentleman that you're talking about, Brother Michael, uh, brother, I I drew Brother Michael once and I photographed him, and uh, when the painting was done. The, the painting was actually purchased by uh, Carol H. Williams Advertising, and she saw the painting, and she said, oh, you know, I really appreciate the, the image of Jesus. And I said, of Jesus? I said, uh, I didn't paint Jesus. She said, oh, yes, I, I purchased your Jesus. And I said, oh, Michael? You know, so she was the first person that had really, because I'm looking at this, you know, a strong masculine energy, and when she saw it, she saw Jesus. And I went, oh, Okay, you know, it, it would, she reminded me of when she looked at him, there was a sense of power and calmness that she really appreciated, and she associated that with a Christ-like consciousness. So she, so since then, there's been a whole series, is uh, a series done of of uh, this a Christ of of different colors. Uh, so 
So that's so. So he kind of embodied that because you know when you're painting someone, you're you, you can call up so much, but they must possess the very thing you're trying to call up. Otherwise, it just becomes this fictional character. So uh, yeah. So brother, so brother Michael, I worked with him for about twelve years, uh, drawing and uh, and painting him, and he is who he appears to be. He's 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 a calm, strong uh, uh, brother with a clear mind. And, and lives a really clean life, and people see that in his in his image. So I really, you know, give thanks for him, you know, working with me throughout the years. When you see the paintings and you see cotton and you see roses, what I'm thinking about is things that you pick in the South, and they're associated with class. Because you pick cotton, you also pick roses. And I read a book recently called The Wind Done Gone. It's a black version of Going with the Wind uh, from a friend of mine uh, named Tracy Brown. She said, I have this book that you should read. I said, Tracy, I'm busy. I want to read more books. She said, you should really read the book. It's called The Wind and Gone. I said, okay, I'll read it. And let me tell you, I turned maybe the third page, and the description was, it was this woman talking about what she saw. And she said, the cotton was so white and the soil was so red, the only thing I could compare it to was afterbirth. I went, oh, oh, okay. A different kind of red. Can you imagine? Wow. Yeah, that's Brian Keith Thomas talking about heirlooms at Joyce Gordon Gallery, uh, an exhibit that closed um, uh, maybe over a year ago. Um, and if you know Brian Keith Thomas, his work is phenomenal. And you can um, listen to the rest of that interview in the archives. We are joined in the studio. I believe this is Peaches Christ. Good Hello. morning. How are you? Hi. Good How morning. Are you? How are you? I'm fine. I'm doing thanks. great. Excellent. Excellent. Um, well, you have a new show that's going up um next weekend um and uh yeah and uh it looks really awesome i don't think i've seen any of your shows i'm really really excited to um you know to become more familiar with with your work um and this one here bring it on queen looks really really awesome so maybe i'll read read your bio first and then you could tell us about about this new um uh production how does that sound sounds good cool cool Sure. So Peaches Christ is a filmmaker and cult leader living in San Francisco. Her infamous movie events are self-produced at the Castro Theater and regularly draw over 1,000 attendees to each new production before they tour. Events have featured special guest stars John Waters, uh, Cloris Leachman, uh, Bruce Campbell, uh, Barry Boswick, Pam Greer, and more. Peaches is the alter ego of Joshua, is it Grannell or Grannell? Grannell. Grannell, the writer and director of the feature film All About Evil. The award-winning dark comedy gore film stars Natasha Leon, yes, uh, Thomas yeah. Decker, mm-hmm, uh, Cassandra Peterson, Mink Stoll, and Peaches Christ. Peaches has been featured in the films Milk, I Am Divine, Diary of a Teenage Girl, Mansfield 6667, Tura, and more. So tell us about um, 
you know, this this current production and and how you're able to just be such an all-around, you know, performance artist. Uh sure. I um well when I started, uh I really was trying to build a career as a writer and director, uh, both film and stage. And drag, performing in drag, was really a hobby for me and something Mm -hmm. fun that I did with my friends back in the mid-'90s. And I created the character Peaches, and over the years I started to use Peaches as sort of the vehicle um, with which I would celebrate cult movies, movies that people love and they want to watch over and over again. And so I started using um, my uh, love for those movies as a way to create parodies starring drag queens um, celebrating the movies. And really, you know, at this point, I've done so many, and it's been, um, you know, such a long time since I started um, that I, I forget that, you know, we we've grown over the years. Um, we didn't just start with these big productions at the Castro. We started small. So um, bring it on is, is a movie that's been on our list for many years. People love bring it on. Um, and, you know, it has a special affinity, I think for the queer community because it's, it's features strong young women uh, as well as, you know, male cheerleaders. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, it, it, it's, really perfect for a uh, a drag queen send-up. And um, I've been friends with the, the drag queen, Bob the Drag Queen, who won RuPaul's Drag Race for many years. Uh, Bob and I mm-hmm. have done um, a couple other shows together. Uh, we did a parody called Legally Black, uh, where Bob mm. uh, played the Reese Witherspoon character from Legally Blonde. And, um, uh-huh. and I think Bob is just so brilliant. And his drag sister from New York, Monet Exchange, went on RuPaul's Drag Race after Bob did uh, and then ended up winning All-Stars. Uh, and so I thought, how, how, oh, and also the other thing is Bob and Monet have a very popular podcast called Sibling Rivalry. So when I was thinking about mm. who would play, you know, who would be fun to see as rival cheer captains, um, I thought of Bob and Monet because they're just so magical together on stage. So that's really how the show came to be. Oh, wow. This sounds really interesting. Oh, so, hmm. This is, I see now why, why you, um, uh, you're having it at the Castro. And also I see, you know, the disclaimer that there's not, not going to be a film after the show. Right. As norm, you normally have a film too. Oh, okay. Yeah, we hmm. used to um, screen the movie after the performance, but as the performances oh. got bigger and bigger, and the shows yeah. got longer, we realized the audiences were showing up for the show and not hmm. the movie, um, because now people right. can watch have access to movies, you know, fairly mm-hmm. easily. It's not like when I started where sometimes I would screen a movie and, you know, that was the only way you could see some of these rare films because, it, you know, was before mm-hmm. the Internet uh, took off. <laughs> where <Right>. now, you <laughs> know, you can pretty much watch anything. So so now we, we focus on the live show, the, the parody. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, this is going to be cool. So Bring bring It On Queen is going to be performed on Saturday, July 13th, uh, one night. Uh, two performances, 4 yep. and 8 p.m., again, at Cast- the Castro Theater, 4 429 Castro Street at Market Street in San Francisco. And advance tickets are 20 to 140. It's a nice range. Um, yeah, the 140, of course, are the, 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 the very, very fancy concierge, VIP, meet and greet, you know, complimentary cocktails. But we do also have um, <laughs> affordable tickets uh, for folks that mm-hmm. don't want that very fancy experience. Right, yeah. <laughs> it it just sounds really interesting, you know, these, these two um, competing, um, you know, uh, drag queen cheer squads. And, right. you know, they're fighting it out for a national championship trophy but the uh, the teams are called the sponges and the purses <laughs> what's yes. their names well it, it, if so it's funny because i write for the cult of the movie the fans that love the movie but also the cult mm-hmm. of the uh drag performers as well and so um mm. bob the drag queen uh is very famous for saying that you must enter a room purse first and has a song called Purse First, and it's kind of now synonymous with purses. And Monet Exchange very famously made a dress out of sponges on Drag Race Mm. and then wrote a sponge about, uh, sorry, a song about sponges called Soak It Up. And um, so, (laughs) you know, I wanted to play with that. But, you know, Monet, much like the Kirsten Dunst character in the movie, um, is from a very affluent upper middle class suburban high school and Monet becomes cheer captain and doesn't realize that all the cheers they're doing were stolen from the the high school in East Compton who is having mm-hmm. trouble, you know, affording getting to the uh, championships. So um, it, it still is a show about appropriation, class and culture. Um, uh, so it, I think in many ways, it's going to be an interesting uh, new look at it because we're seeing this in you know the drag world a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is a film I've never seen, and and I was looking that there were so many of them, like like sequels, like Bring It On, and then there's Bring It On Again, and Bring It On All or Nothing, yes. Bring It On In It or Win It. It's like goodness gracious, how many Bring It Ons are there? <laughs> Right, it ended up becoming a really big franchise, and it also ended up becoming a, a Broadway show. Oh, seriously? Huh? Wow! Mm-hmm. Wow! Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, um, who who else is in the cast? Um, who are these these um, members of the team that um, are competing, you know, against each other? And are any of these these um, uh, these actors, actresses, um, new to um, to your performances? Uh, some of them are, yes, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Many, uh, all of them are um, Bay Area uh, performers. Uh, many of okay. whom perform regularly uh, in the drag scene um, around town. Um, but some of them are doing um, um, a Peaches show for the first time. So I'm really excited mm-hmm. to have some new blood on stage. We have um, Nikki Jizz, <laughs> Melissa Towers, Will Woodward, Helena Levin, Roxy Cotton Candy, Shaka Korn, 
Uh, and we also have some of the um, Cheer SF um, athletes in the show, so actual, you know, professional mm. um, cheer folks who are, you know, both playing mm. ba- bass performers and flyers so that we'll have mm-hmm. um, actual cheer cricks in the show. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that should be really nice. And um, is it, I mean, there's music, right? Yes, yes. It's 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 uh very much a high energy um dance show with with music um and some, you know, live vocal performances uh featuring, you know, Bob and Monet's original songs and um and then lip syncs to pop music, you know, it's a big kind of drag spectacular. Hmm. Very silly, oh, very funny. Really. Lots of dancing. Yeah. <laughs> mhm. Yeah, wow. Is it family friendly? Um, you know, I would say that with most of our shows, uh, if you were going to give it a rating like you would a movie, the, the our shows uh-huh. would be rated PG thirteen. Um okay. you know, there there there's some, some you know, adult innuendo and you know, a mm-hmm. couple curse words here and there, but you know, it's it's the kind of thing it wouldn't be rated R if it were a movie, Mm -hmm. but it might not be something you want to bring a small child to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it sounds really fun. Oh, this sounds really fun. So, uh, so you have two shows. Um, How long are the shows? Uh, The shows are run about 90 minutes. No intermission. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a lot. That's really high powered. A lot of work, like two consecutively. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, like a marathon day. Mhm. Yeah. Wow. Sounds really, really fun. Do um are any of your shows are they filmed and and available for people to watch later on? Um. um or is it like the live show and that's it? Hmm? We do. Yeah. We we don't distribute them. Um. And mm-hmm. and uh, make them available that way. It's mostly. Mm-hmm. Designed to be a live experience. Uh, however, we film them all for archival purposes, so that we have, you know, mm-hmm. a record of all of them. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, if if a person misses, you know, Bring It On Queen or any of your other other shows from the past, um, do they ever come back? Um, yes. Do you ever do so they like often, more? Th- oh. Okay. Yeah, they often will. If you know. Uh, they are popular and people want to see them again or people you know people missed it we often bring them back mhm mhm yeah oh cool cool super so um tell tell our audience about about the drag scene for those that aren't aware you know sort of what what is the scene and and performances and and yeah um what does it mean to be uh, a drag queen? Well, I mean, I think right now we're seeing this very uh, new world of drag because of the success mm-hmm. of the TV show RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, and so this is a new thing where drag is now reaching um, bigger audiences than it has before because of the television show. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. Drag has been around, you know, forever. Um, but basically, you know, 
drag traditionally has meant to people um, that, you know, that it's essentially a man dressing up as a woman um, and performing in, a, in an exaggerated, um, a flamboyant way. But what I would say is that that's not actually accurate. Usually it's it's someone dressing up, and it could be a man, it could be a, a, a woman or um, a trans person, a non-binary person. really doesn't matter. But that the, the, the drag is actually costume. It's theater. And that it is an attempt to express a part of yourself, often heightened femininity um, and outrageousness, that's part of yourself. So in many ways, Peaches, I don't think of me becoming um, a woman. I don't think of Peaches as really even necessarily male or female. It's this exaggerated glamazon creature of my own imagination um, that really uh, is a representation of this part of me that's always been feminine or more, you know, like a girl. O- often many of us, you know, were, were told we should not be that way growing up. We should not be sissies. Mm-hmm. We should not play with dolls. Um, and so I think drag in a way is, is a reclamation of that part of ourselves. And it becomes theater and entertainment and comedy and um it can take the form of of any sort of form of storytelling performance entertainment and I, and i think what makes it special is that it it has this power behind it for the performer because it's so in so many ways it's it's so personal mm-hmm. oh wow interesting thank you um mm-hmm. so now sort of in the um you know now that we are sort of recognizing um you know sort of i guess um personas outside of the uh the binaries of of male and female what i guess what would be your pronouns um for peaches christ well i um, and and and, and then the and then the other yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joshua, I typically go by he, um, okay. although uh, many people in the drag community, when we're in or out of drag, refer to each other as any pronoun, um, and and that's usually fine. But as Joshua, traditionally, mm-hmm. uh, I think people see me as male, and I'm I'm fine. You know that that's uh, how I present myself. And as Peaches, I typically go by the pronoun she. Um, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm presenting uh, a more femme version of a character. Um, and I, I would say that's true of um, a lot of drag queens, um, but but some, mm-hmm. sometimes not. You know, like I said, many, many trans women have done drag over the years. Now we're seeing loads more um, cisgendered women um, doing drag and really just anybody, you know. And, and of course, now we have drag kings you know, people doing um, an exaggerated male persona. Um, and, yeah, it's it's kind of – it's hard to define for any um, one – it's easy to define for any one person, but hard to define for the group. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, 
for this particular uh, production, um, uh, you know, since you're um, you've been doing this for a long time, you're a pro. Did um, sort of mounting this particular um, work uh, pose any any kind of artistic uh, uh, challenges, or or did you grow in any kind of particular way as as um, as an artist? In in doing this particular uh, show, I think the biggest challenge for me writing it was that the film mm-hmm. has two strong female leads, and and they're both featured in the movie poster, and and mm-hmm. I think our memory is that they're both um, a big part of the movie. But when I re watched the movie to kind of break it down and to create my um, script, my parody script. I realized that um, the Kirsten Dunst character um, is in like 80% of the movie is her story. Uh, and um, the Gabrielle Union character is not in the movie very much compared to Kirsten Dunst. And so I didn't want um, a stage show where the two leads didn't have equal stage time and you know I wanted to feature both of them um in 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 a in a similar way so I had to kind of go in and create plot and scenes uh for Bob the drag queen's character that that actually aren't in the movie but what I think happened was it helped uh make the show a little more interesting and, and different and I think audiences will enjoy the Twists and the the new stuff that we've created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, could you could you share any of of the scenes with us, like um, so that people could get maybe a flavor of of the uh, of the the work? Sure. I mean, the the uh, lots of the scenes from the movie that you love, we will be recreating. Um, with our own spin on them, for sure. But then, for example, the the, the storyline that I ran with um, with the with Bob's cheer team is that they're raising money um, to get to nationals, uh, which is part of the movie. But I've created new scenes and new uh, scenarios that are actually just designed to be very very funny. They do a bake sale at one point, but none of them can bake and. The baking is terrible, <laughs> and so the girls all start really reading each other and throwing shade, and a woman you know, tells them that they're hilarious, which leads them to their next fundraiser, which is sort of a stand-up comedy show. And it basically was a way for me to get these really funny performers um, doing stuff that showcased their talent. So I think um, these new, new scenes – like the stand-up comedy, Bob the Drag Queen is one of the funniest uh, stand-up queens around or just stand-up acts, you know, regardless of being a queen or not. So I think it'll it'll really feature her and the audience will really enjoy it, even though, you know, that, that scene does not exist in the movie. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Well, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, and um do you, do you have any um any numbers or you know any singing pieces work in in the um in the play 
I do not. I play um, kind of the villain in the show. Oh. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the cheerleader <laughs> who is responsible for stealing the cheers. Um, and mm. so she uh, she's not um, in very many of the numbers. However, uh, I also I play two characters. I also play this ridiculous choreographer that Monet's team um, hires to help them um, learn new routines, who's really, really silly in the movie, um, named Sparky. And so I'm playing Sparkly. And uh, so I do do a little bit of dancing, but it's it's, it's terrible, you know, really horrible. And, um, you know, I, I basically um, really, you know, ruin them in a way. <laughs> Oh, wow, wow, cool, cool. So how do people get tickets? Uh, They go to peacheschrist.com. We recommend um, getting them in advance if you can. Uh, And it's just, it's spelled just how it sounds, peaches like the fruit, Christ uh, like the Savior, uh, .com. And, um, yeah, that's the best way. Okay, cool, super. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much um, for joining us um, to talk about Bring It On, Queen. And uh, is there anything um, that um, that we didn't touch on that you want to let people know? No, I think we touched on everything. Thank you so much. You asked great questions. Oh, you're quite welcome. You're quite welcome. Wow, you're the villain. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> is that a new role for you? Um, no, <laughs> I, I, I guess over the years I've played so many different types. I've played the hero and the villain, you know, e- probably, you know, equally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, super. All righty. Well, look forward to seeing you in the theater um, on the 13th. That should be really awesome. Thank you. All right. Will you take good care? All right, you too. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye. So for those of you who are looking for a really wonderful um, free event this evening, um, the Oakland Symphony is having its annual um, 4th of July concert at the Craneway Uh with uh it ends in fireworks this evening and um I'm not sure of the details. Let me see if I can look them up really quickly. Uh Oakland Symphony dot O R G would be where you would find it. Um but I'm gonna look it up for you <laughs> and see what time the concert starts because I'm not certain. But I hear that it's really, really wonderful. But then everything that uh uh Maestro Morgan has his hand in is always really awesome. But um yeah, yeah, it's um it's I'm sure it's gonna be really, really super. And um and then um the um uh the Fillmore Jazz Festival is this weekend, um, which should be awesome. And uh you can look that up too. <laughs> but um yeah, it's um it's going to be uh, 
really, really wonderful weekend of jazz, live music, and uh, and again tonight there is the annual um, concert, uh, Oakland Symphony concert. I am going to play uh, Desert Roses Ubuntu while we wait for our next guest to join us. That's the intention. (laughs) A little bit of technical difficulty right now. Hmm. We're going to be um, have we're going to be joined by uh, Leslie Carrier and, and Maverick, um, who um, is uh, making his uh, debut, um, and uh, Lamar Maverick Harrison making his debut in Measure for Measure um, at the Marin Shakespeare Company, which is uh, celebrating its thirtieth uh, anniversary season. And Measure for Measure is really, really phenomenal. Uh, Oh, my goodness. Such a wonderful production. It was fantastic. And um, I don't know what's going on with my my Internet connection. I'm having trouble right now. Oh, my goodness. So I'm not certain what to do. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So... um, yeah, I'm having some trouble here right at the moment. But no worries. We will get it together. Hmm. So hold tight. Okay, I am still trying to work out this issue. 
goodness. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's still acting up. Um, so I am going to have to... <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to have to... shut down my computer because I am not able to hmm okay let's try it again okay so I'm trying it again booting up so Leslie and Maverick, if you're in the studio, we're getting it together here, so hang in there. Audience, you will be really happy that you um, stuck in there, and I have no Internet, according to... <laughs> How is that possible? Hmm. Okay, so I've got to use another computer. <clears throat> Okay, so I've got to do something different. Okay. Oh my goodness. I am not able to get in internet. Sorry about that. Um I am signing back in to see if it No, there's no internet. Hmm. Oh, I know how I can do this. I forgot. I can tether. <laughs> yeah, I've got a, another option. Let's see. Okay, so got another option here. Okay, <clears throat> so we'll be back in the studio shortly. Thanks for your patience. Forgot that was an option. <laughs> <clears throat> Still connecting, almost there. 
Okay. Oh, darn. I can't get into the studio. Oh, my goodness. Hmm. I don't know what the deal is here. Hmm. Well, Leslie and Maverick, we might have to reschedule because I cannot get into the studio. I don't know what's going on here. Ah, I was really looking forward to our conversation. My goodness, it was going to be so fabulous because Measure for Measure is so fabulous. But, um, yeah, um, I cannot I cannot get into the studio. And, um, hmm. Yeah, we're having serious technical difficulties that I am not able to override um, presently. So I'm not certain um, what the problem is. I don't know if it's a problem with my connection, which is looks good, or <laughs> or the uh, the program. Yeah, I think we're going to just have to reschedule because I don't want to keep you in the studio just hanging on and waiting, and I can't get into the studio myself. Um, So, yeah. 
So anyway, um, wow, I'm so disappointed. Um, but I'm going to have to end the show prematurely because I cannot get into the studio. Let me try a little bit. Try one more time. Yeah, maybe I'll be able to get in. Let's see. Okay, so I'm going to have to um uh reschedule this. Sorry about that, Leslie and Maverick. We'll do we'll do we'll try it again. Thanks so much for hanging in there.